Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Oh, hi. Uh, Fancy seeing you here on the podcast. Uh, We are continuing our conversation on uh, time this season. And uh, my goodness, you and I both ran into a book at slightly different times that is a bit mind-blowing. It really is. A bit mind-blowing, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah, Uh, we're talking about 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. Big fan of Oliver Berkman or the Burke, as I call him. We'll find out. You're like, okay. I I just, that's what he is in my head. Oh, the Burke? Yeah, we're very tight in my head. I mean, he hasn't met me yet, but (laughs) we're very close. Um, And and so we're going to be talking a little bit about that today and how the how the book has has uh, touched each of us differently and um, or maybe the same. All I can tell you is I have 1,352 weeks left. And that doesn't feel like a very big number. It doesn't. I know. I'm I'm mm-hmm. right there with you. I I think I've oh I have less weeks than you do. Yeah, I know. You have <laughs> some weeks less than me. Oh Whew. boy, that's got to feel terrible. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I want well, more we're going to talk about this today. You should go uh, check out the book, find it at your local library or local bookseller, and we'll put links to that in the show notes. Before we dig into the conversation proper, uh, you know what to do. Head over to Take Control ADHD. Get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website, subscribe to the mailing list on the homepage, and get an email with the latest episode every single week. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest at Take Control ADHD. And you know what else? I have been posting more on both Threads and Mastodon. And so I'm trying it out. If you are on Threads or Mastodon, uh, find find me there. Uh, on Threads, I think I'm underscore Pete Wright. And on Mastodon, I'm Pete Wright at Mastodon.social. Uh, we're going to see if, if maybe that's a place where some ADHD conversation should happen. I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. Uh, so anyway, that's where you can find us for all of the social stuff. And if you really, really want to get to know us where all the really good stuff happens, you got to jump into the ADHD Discord community. Uh, that It's super easy to get into the community chat channel. Just visit TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord, and you will be whisked over to the general invitation page and log in. If you're looking for a little more, particularly if this show has ever touched you or helped you to understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, support us directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you help guarantee that we continue to grow the show and add new features and invest more heavily in our community. Just visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast 
to learn more. All right, Nikki. Hi. Here we are. <laughs> 4,000 weeks and counting. Yes. Uh, now, I so uh, it was some months ago for our members. I did a placeholder episode on this book. You did. And then you told me you were reading it. And that n- made me note that you had not listened to my placeholder episode. So we've got to get you subscribed to that show. Nikki. I know. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I was hoping that maybe you didn't notice that part. <laughs> Well, it was when you said, I found this new book that is new to me and everybody that I know. And I was like, no, it's not. No. <laughs> stop, stop not flexing only right is now. it not new, I've already <laughs> talked about it somewhere else. We've already done a yeah. podcast on it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was very funny. I am delighted that you uh, have been reading the book. I'm really delighted because I think it is a fascinating way to look at how we rationalize time on a larger scale. So I would love for you to start. It's changed the way that I look at it, for sure. Um, How? How so? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to tell you that I, (laughs) from not paying attention to placeholder, I admit (laughs) that I was not paying attention. uh, I've been working in a bookstore because Eugene, Oregon still has a bookstore, believe it or not. Uh, I told a client that I was working in, in Barnes and Noble and she's like, you still have one of those? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Like you go set up your laptop at Barnes and Noble and work. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty oh cool with a little coffee area and everything. Yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, I was going um, in and looking around because the problem with going to a bookstore to write and work is that you see all the books around you and you want to like look at them and, you know, and yeah. 4,000 weeks stood out because it's this bright yellow book and it says time management for mortals. I'm like, oh, I wonder what this is. And I started flipping through it and I'm like, yeah, okay. And I put it back. And then not even like a, a day later, somebody, it came back to my attention and I thought, okay, this is strange. Um, I have to pay attention to this because I'm always looking for signs from the universe, right? So if if this is coming in my universe, I know that I have to pay attention to it. And then I'm talking to you and you're like, yeah, hi, did a a podcast about it already. I'm like, okay, I really need to pay attention to it. Uh, And once I, I did buy it, it did. It blew me away because I just, what put me in a tailspin is how fast a week goes by in my world. And, you know, just in my own little personal world, a week just goes by so fast. And it really just got me to think, wow, if we really only have 1,000 and me, I would have 1,300 weeks left or whatever. It really makes you think about, well, how how am I spending my time? And is it the way that I want to spend it? And, of course, I think about my clients and and planning and the membership and how does this relate to our to-do lists and our priorities. And it's just, it was really just a lot to process and I'm still processing it. I'm still trying to kind of like figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And you, you know, it's an interesting thing. He's done so much good stuff. Uh, not only his, his two books that I have, have read the, um, uh, the other one is the antidote, uh, which is, uh, positive thinking for people who hate, 
uh, I, I yes. always butcher the subtitle. Uh, it's a wonderful book as well. It's like uh, Happiness for People Who Hate Positive Thinking or something like that, which is another really wonderfully provocative title. And, uh, and, and the book is excellent. He's also done a number of short form series for the BBC. Uh, and one of them is on, you know, busyness and you can find it in Audible. It's 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 on, you know, are we really busier than ever? Right. Because we we feel that way. Right. And, um, you know, this this the upshot of that is, you know, technically, no, we're not busier than ever. We've just applied more uh, impossible structure to live underneath the activities that we're doing and the expectations for those activities are different. And uh, and so we're really not any busier than our than our, uh, you know, ancestors. Uh, we just feel worse about it. Yeah. And uh, and we assign more emotion to the feeling of, of busyness than, than we ever have. And I, I just love that message paired with 4,000 weeks, the, the whole idea of understanding finitude, the fact that we're going to die, right? We're going to die and the clock is ticking. How are we using the time that we have mm -hmm. to do what is most important to us? Well, and even the very first sentence of the book, I mean, just caught me. It says the, the real problem isn't our limited time. The real problem is that we've inherited and feel pressure to live by a troublesome set of ideas about how to use limited time. We have this incredible pressure on ourselves if we're doing it right. Are yeah. we spending our time right? And, and, and then it goes into choices, right? I mean, this is part of a, a big part of what he's talking about. Yeah, for sure. That's the that's the huge takeaway for me is is recognizing that our time is limited, which is something we're already doing. Right. But we do it on a micro scale, which is a veil of distraction. Mm -hmm. Right. The distraction is, oh, my gosh, my week is so busy. I'm trying to get so much done this week before the holiday, before the whatever, uh, that I lose track of the fact that I that I am, I'm the oppor of opportunity cost, right? I'm losing track of the opportunity cost that comes with those decisions to get things done. And, and I, I find myself falling prey to this, uh, to the thing that I felt like I had already solved in my life, which is other people's stress are not my stress, yeah. right? I've said that for years. And when things, when I'm compromised, Pete, right? Mm -hmm. I fall prey to that. And I feel the in in inbox filling up and I realize, oh my gosh, I, I now have to get back on that treadmill and I have to solve all the problems for everyone every time. And I have to do it super, super fast. And, uh, and this book makes me stop and say, why again? Mm -hmm. Why am I, why am I doing that? This is what he talks about the efficiency trap, right? The pursuit of efficiency for its own sake that leads to a counterproductive outcome and and makes ends up making me less productive by being sucked into trying to do so much and trying to be so rigid in the things that I do. So um, that's the, the anyway, I've jumped into lessons like that is the first big one for me mm -hmm. is, is figuring out how to to live with a, a finite focus. It, yeah, it takes that's you into, it, it, it does. It, it takes it you into a uh... A tailspin is what I like to say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We talk about just, you know, the the shame that comes with feeling like I'm not doing enough, mm -hmm. even though I'm doing all I can. I think that's an interesting one. And it's one that particularly with ADHD, my reflection is, yeah, I, 
I am often questioning whether or not I'm doing enough. I'm, I'm questioning whether or not I'm doing enough without actually asking mm-hmm. the question, mm-hmm. what is enough? It does. Not only what is enough, but what is the purpose of everything? Because I think that yeah. especially when it comes to prioritizing and, and uh, you know, figuring out what you want to focus on. And this just isn't like work. Like, what do I how do I prioritize work? It's how, how do I prioritize my life? Right. Like we have these big buckets, uh, you know, of different areas of our life and where are we spending the most time? Are we spending the time where we want it? And I, I don't think we do enough reflection to really figure out what it is that we want to really know mm-hmm. if it's good enough, right? So I think it's uh, taking really an inventory of, okay, here I am. Um, this is the stage of my life. What What is going good and and what am I lacking? And and it's it's just really puts a different perspective on, the choices you make. And I think letting go of the shame, how can you feel at peace for not being able to do everything? Because you can't. Yeah. We have to make hard choices. And that was the thing that really resonated with me is that he's he's like, you have to make hard choices. And you're going to have to make choices not only on what not to do, but making choices on the things that you want to do, but you, you can't do right now. Or maybe ever. Yes. Right. And yeah, that's hard. Yeah. This is this is the question for me of, uh, you know, what he talks about is like being present. And for me, that's a question of identity. Like, do you know who you are? Right. When you show up to something and I'm saying show up in in quotes here. Right. Like when you show up, do you know why you're there? And I think a lot of us don't. We show up and we're busy. And as as, you know, Berkman calls it, we're busy for busyness sake. And that is. That uh, is that challenge of that is that we lose track of the the longer term focus on what we uh, what we are best at and what we are happiest doing and what our what our sort of purpose is. And so for his term, right, giving asking us to be present whenever we do anything is to say, like, that's where meaning lies in our lives, mm-hmm. right? It That's where, and we, we, we talk about it in some really superficial terms, like put down your phone when you're spending time with family, you know, play more board games, whatever it is. I'm just saying in, in Berkman's terms, showing up and being present can look like a lot of different things as long as it looks like meaning to you. And it's sort of like, I, you know, it, it's, it's like the old, adage looking at a painting of dogs playing poker. I don't know art, but I know what I like. Like, Mm -hmm. you know it when you feel it. And it's okay sometimes to listen to your gut and to practice listening to your gut, especially if you have a history of not trusting your gut. Right. Right. Learning to trust your gut is important. And I think we have a hard time doing it. Yeah. Um, But your gut will tell you what when things feel right. Mm -hmm. And when you are present, you'll feel it. You'll feel it. I think you get a little sense of joy, especially if it's something yeah. that you're in, really engaged in. You know, it you get that joy for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the that's the like the, the high level, that sort of mindfulness piece, that mindfulness and acceptance piece is is just saying, look, here's the here's the premise. And it's kind of, it can be a dark one. Mm-hmm. Our time is limited. But once you rec- accept that and you recognize it then you're accepting your first grand limitation that is real and, you know, you cannot change it. It is something we will all have to face. Uh, 
And once you accept that limitation, it makes it easier to accept, I think, other limitations in our lives and look at them as potential strengths. Mm -hmm. Because again, it goes back to opportunity costs. Once I realize I can't do everything, then I'm also free to do just about anything. That's heavy. <laughs> I like uh, it. Hey, it's, not, it's not my gig. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean. That's why this stuff is so important. Yeah, because I mean, and, and it, it it's interesting because he was talking about at the beginning of the book anyway, this whole concept of, oh, if you get caught up, don't let that fool you because you're never caught up. More stuff will just come your yeah. way. Right, so, the productivity paradox. Right, yeah. And so yeah. I think that it, it, you know, what what you just said speaks to me in the way of, okay, I can do, I, I, I think it's being able to focus and and not get so distracted by the other stuff. Yeah. It allows you to do yeah. more, you know. Yeah. And, and it allows you to focus on something that I think we all uh, uh, fall prey to, at least from you know, living in our community and feeling like, you know, having a handle on what our people say, which is busyness as avoidance, mm -hmm. right? This is the, this is the veil of productivity that happens when you think just because you're busy, um, you're, you're pro productive, when really you are avoiding something important, right? We talk oh, about yes. this all yes. the time. In Berkman's parlance, we're avoiding the facing the existential realities of life. <laughs> that's a that's a broad statement. I'm just talking about like you know we're avoiding calling the insurance right, company. Yeah. But you know <laughs> that uh, that 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 may be that may be the case. But I think that's the uh, uh, that's the message for me is is thinking about how you know uh, again once we accept those limitations and realize what we're what we're capable of doing does how does that play into daily time management? How does that play into accepting the fact that we only have 24 hours in a day and eight of them are self care sleeping hours? Right, uh, you know whatever that looks like for you, like. How does that manifest in connecting the here and now, which is where our ADHD brains are focused, and the hereafter now, the remaining 1,352 weeks mm -hmm. in my life? Mm -hmm. What did you think about his take on uh, time management uh, methods and things that have been in the, you know, the, the, the popular things without naming popular things? uh the methods and strategies around time well, management I, in the past i, I think I, I, he he doesn't think very highly of them no <laughs> <laughs> he does not i've been talking too much what did you think i mean this is this is his whole thing about uh, you know misguided time management uh time management processes yeah. how does it hit you we're talking about time management all the time I, yeah and I, it's my world right i mean i think that uh I think he's right in a lot of ways. I mean, I think that it depends on what how you interpret the message. So if you think that this particular method of of time management is going to solve everything and you're going to all of a sudden get more done, you're misguided. I because yeah. I think that it's not about getting more done in a in a in a shorter period of time. Productivity, right? I think that that's a loaded word. And uh, I was talking to someone recently, um, they were inquiring about coaching services. And one of the things that they had asked or said that they were struggled with, that they, that they were currently struggling with, is the pace of their work. And I said, Okay, so are you looking for coaching to increase that pace? Like, what exactly are you looking for? 
And what I'm listening for him to say is, yeah, I want to do more in that amount of time. That's not, he's not going to get that from me. No. And um, so it was important for us to have that conversation and be very clear about what is the really, what is the end goal? Is it around accepting that this is your pace and somehow we have to let other people know that? Um, Or is this the right job for you? Is this something that you have, you know, how does this fit with everything else that you're doing? I mean, there's a lot more question around that than just, oh, let's do more in a, in a small period of time. And if you think like a planner or a time management um, system is going to fix you, it does not fix you. Right. It does. It's just a tool. Yeah. Um you know, and I catch people in GPS with this all the time where people will say, I'm so frustrated because I just never get to the things I need to do, or I never get to everything. I only, I I always stay in urgent. And the harsh reality is that's not because of your tool box. That's not because of the tool that is, you know, holding this information. That's a different problem. And that all comes down to prioritizing. What is the most important and how do we figure that out, right? But the the, the time management stuff is, I mean, I don't want to completely bash it because I think he does a little bit. <laughs> but I think his point is true is that you have 24 hours in a day. We yeah. can't change that. What can you really do? And then there's pieces of things that you t- can take from from experts or leaders, you know, in this field that are very helpful. But I think it has to be customized. It has to be for you. Yeah, because really what we're talking about is not like the tool. And it's something you and I were talking about it this weekend, mm-hmm. like the the language that we used to use around organizing and like cleaning out your closet don't go to the store and buy all your new storage bins until you know what you're working with, what you need to put in it. And this is the same thing with organizing, with with time, time management tools, right? You got to know yourself and your own behavior and you've got to figure out what your work is and how it fits in your life before. Otherwise, you get back into his efficiency trap. And I love this idea. This is the belief that we can somehow outpace our limitations by being more efficient, yeah. Right. We're trying to do more with, le- uh, you know, do more in the same amount of time. It's not really doing more with less, but maybe it feels like that. We have the same 24 hours and we're just trying to jam more in it. And that is an unsustainable cycle. And so taking a step back, making choices and sacrifices mm-hmm. uh, in allows you to do to be productive thoughtfully not by just jamming more tasks on your day and celebrating that you can get five things done in a day instead of three. Right. That's that's not really what it's about. It's about making the choice to say, maybe I get one thing done in a day or two, but I get that, but they're the most meaningful things to me and they're going to move my career, my identity, my family forward in a substantive way. Mm-hmm. And and so that's the problem. The challenge that I have, and and this is one of the major challenges I have with the whole ideology that, that he that he's talking about here is how do you approach this when you work in a world of 
incoming signal from people who don't read this book, right? Who, people who don't agree. I agree that this book forces you to ask a ton of questions about yourself, about how you deal with time and work and confronting limitations, and it's all great. But I still have people banging down my door saying, get this done, get this done, get this done. I need this by, I need this by, I need this by. And so how do you relate? How do you set up the proper guardrails? Give you any thoughts? Yes. And I think that this is the harsh reality that is, that, that's hard to, to face. And especially because what we're doing here is we're kind of talking hypothetical, right? But I'm thinking about that person that I talked to recently, and there's a pace issue. So the question is, are the expectations flexible at all? So if you're, if you've had the expectation of you have to get 10 papers out in, in a day, right? I'm just making stuff up. Um, yeah. And you're only getting five papers out and you go to your boss and they say, nope, you have to do 10 and you can only do maybe six at your best. There's a conflict there. Yeah. So either the boss has to say, all right, we're going to go ahead because your work is good enough and you're doing, you know, you're a great employee. We're going to go ahead and let you do six. Or the boss is going to say, nope, I need 10. And you can't do yeah. 10. So you have to maybe look for a new job. Yeah, that's the re that's the the reality. And it feels like a sad reality at the time, but maybe it's not. Maybe well, it's it, a great reality. It's actually could be a very good reality because then you're what you're doing is you're opening up a door for a different opportunity and a much better fit. If you yes. can find another employer or some other kind of industry that actually fits with your ADHD and your pace and everything else on how you like to work you're going to be a heck of a lot happier than trying to be in this one place that says, nope, you've got to do 10. Yeah. Well, and and Berkman calls this, uh, you know, finitude as liberation, right? That we we can fall into the trap of deep despair when we run into these kinds of conflicts. But, you know, his perspective is accepting these limitations. In this case, I can only do six, uh, can be liberating. If you if you choose to experience it that way, mm -hmm. because then you will be forced to ask yourself, what's really important? Was it really the six things that I got out or, you know, do I need to let go of that as part of the process and try something new? Because I appreciate I learned something about myself. And I just want to say with with ADHD in particular, not to feel bad about that. Because and that's the hardest that's part. That's the hardest that's part because you rejection. have so much shame around. I should be able to do 10. Everybody else can do 10. And and I think that that's the hardest part. Yeah, to be able to say, I'm doing the best I can. And this is who I am. And this is what I can deliver knowing that you are doing what you can. Um, you know, working through that. I, and and I hope, I hope they do because... It's not your fault. It's not something to feel bad about, even though I know you do. It's it's that shame is so unnecessary um, because it's just two different expectations and theirs could be completely off the you know rail. I don't know. But um, yeah, I just that's the part that hurts me is I know that that shame is so, so hard to get past. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. You uh, you made note here of the three main principles that that you liked uh, out of this book that that hit you home. The pay yourself first. Yeah. So, I I think that a lot of people have seen this probably on the internet, but there's a professor and he's got this jar, right? And it's a whole night time management kind of story where, Mm -hmm. you know, do you put your big rocks in the jar first or do you start with the little pebbles and sand and all of this? And the whole theory, right, is that you want your big rocks to go in first. And so everything else kind of falls into place. And um, what I thought was interesting is that he says the real problem with time management today, though, isn't that we're bad at prioritizing the big rocks. It's that we have too many big rocks that never even make it near the jar. And I think that that's that's what really resonated is I thought that's so true because I always hear about there's just so much to do and they're all important. Like the rocks just don't fit. And so he talks about these three principles around these extra rocks. And the first one is pay yourself first. And this really hit because when I talk about time blocking, uh, one of the very first things that I recommend is that you t- is you time block your personal time. Where do you need to exercise? Where do you need to have connection? And, you know, what what do you need? And, and time block that first. And that's exactly what he's saying is that if you have a certain activity that really matters to you, the only way it will happen is to do some today, no matter how little, no matter how many big rocks may be begging for your attention, except the consequences. If you don't schedule yourself first, there will never be a time that you'll get to it. Yeah. There will never be a time when everything is done and now I have free time to do this. And boy, is that the truth. And that's why we talk about intentional planning is if you really need something into your life, plan that first. And he and he goes into more detail about how when you do it that way, the other things come, they, they find their place. But when we do it the opposite way, which is what everybody like in my world does, including me, is I schedule everything around, you know, work and everything else first. And then I think I'm going to get to my personal time. Then there's no there's no time. There's no personal time. So we have to flip that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. I, I think that's a that's eye opening for for me, too. And I think it forces you to to really look at, you know, what are the most important things? He, he talks about the the uh, Warren Buffett uh, mm-hmm. example, which, you know, we've been talking about a little bit over the last few days, which is this whole idea that, you know, you say you have 25 priorities or goals in your life in Buffett's parlance, choose five and leave the rest, right? Because th- th- as you were just talking about, like those are not second tier priorities. It's not a conveyor belt of priorities that you're working through. Like when you finish one, you'll get to another one. It Because if you look at it that way, to your point exactly, you'll never turn to yourself, right? right? You'll always have another giant rock looming over you. And uh, so I, I like the idea of facing that as a limitation uh, that that says, you know, there are things in my life that I know I'm not going to have time to do. I'm not going to be able to take on. Um, and they'll just have to exist as potential for someone else, for another life, another day, whatever. Uh, 
they they can't be a part of mine because I can't take care of myself and do all of these things at the same time. Right. And I think when I was reading about that, it's also that they they become distractions. And that's so true, because we start seeing everything that we need to do or everything that we want to do. And it's too much. And if we choose, he chooses five, and he leaves the rest. If you can really leave the rest, they don't become just they're not distractions anymore. So then all of your focus is on these five things. And you actually make progress, you actually you know, get to, to see some of the work that you do. Uh, that was really, I, that was important for me to think about for sure. This is, this is why I like, I I like time blocking because time blocking treats time as currency. And I already know how to budget my money. Right. right? I love YNAB. So a calendar is just YNAB for time. A task management system is a YNAB for time. Absolutely. I just have to, as soon as I make that pivot and look at it that way, then I realize I have line items that are about just me that aren't about people, you know, leaping into my calendar. Mm -hmm. They're about me eating and sleeping and playing board games Mm -hmm. with my family. And when I'm doing that, because I have that time blocked, I'm liberated because I don't have to think about the other stuff. I don't have to think about the phone beeping all the time. I I can just play a board game. Part of presence too, right? So, yeah, it's so hard to do, Mm -hmm. right? I say all of this with a giant caveat that it's hard to build a practice around this. But that doesn't make it less important to at least ask yourself, how do you relate to this, to these concepts? I am so glad I found this book and I'm so glad that you did a podcast on it already. And I can assure you I'm going to listen to it um, when I'm on my holiday break. (laughs) 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 And it will be something that I will continue to talk about. We're going to continue to talk about. I think it's so important. I really think that he touches something that we probably all know, right, in some way. And we know this, we know we're all going to die. We know that we, you know, nothing is guaranteed. But it just really, I don't know, it just really gets me thinking about how do I want to spend today? How do I want to spend this week? And if I'm feeling too busy, and I'm feeling too overwhelmed, like, what can I let go of? and, And let that go. And I don't know, it just really makes you check yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah, it does. You know, it just as my last point that the idea that, um, you know, so much of what he's talking about in here does align with so much of my kind of internal belief mm-hmm. system, uh, hand to glove, you know, talking about rituals and routines and the things, the habits that we can build to help us get through our days. You know, he, he does lean in on that, yeah. like that stuff gives us structure. Yeah. It gives us a scaffolding that exists to support our values. And that's the most important bit to me is that I already know about the rituals and habits for getting things done. But but to realign those rituals and habits around our values, the things that are most important to us, that I think is the bigger question. And my hunch is that a lot of folks out there listening to this very show might not know might not be able to say, I know what my values are. I know what I stand for. I know what I'm working toward in my life and what's most important to me because there are a bazillion little signals running around in our heads all the time and they're all important. And so this is a call to slow down Mm -hmm. and think about it. Think about what you stand for and what are the things that you want to do with your 
precious, precious time that you have left. That's right. I love it. Thank you, Pete Wright. Oh, thank you, Nikki. This is great. I'm glad we came back around to it. And um, uh, and thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to the show. As always, we appreciate you so, so much. We appreciate your time and your attention. Uh, don't forget, if you have something to contribute to the conversation, we'll be in the Show Talk channel in the Discord server, and you can head over there and join us by becoming a supporting member on patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast at the deluxe level of record. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Thank you.